Welcome, welcome. This is Cassandra Austin McDonald with the Grow Through It podcast, where I share my personal life experiences and the stories of others who have grown through life's ups and downs and came out on the other side. Listen in as you may become inspired to evolve into the best version of yourself. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode on the Growth Through It podcast. I am super excited to share with you all this interview today of a dear friend and a longtime friend of mine, Johnny Ray Mims. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you for agreeing to be here today with us. I'm happy and thank you for inviting me and having me here with you. It feels good. You're welcome. So you guys, Johnny and I met in college at SIU many years ago. I'm not going to tell our ages. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we have always stayed in touch over the years and connected. And these last few years, um, we've seen to develop a another type of friendship that is more in alignment with our respective journeys. Johnny is a recovering alcoholic and has been sober for nearly three years. I believe March 13th is your three-year anniversary, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the biggest accomplishments of my life so far. So amazing to be able to say that. I can't even imagine because, you know, we all have different addictions, whether people want to admit to it or not, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's a substance or food or mm-hmm. porn or social media, whatever the addiction mm-hmm. is, everybody has mm-hmm. something. And I think mm-hmm. that one of the biggest feats we can overcome is like that thing that kind of has us bound up and being able to stand on top of it instead of being consumed in it. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's being able to tackle yourself at the end of the day. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I wanted to have you here today because you and I always, and you guys, I didn't even mention Johnny is also like what I consider my personal development accountability partner, because we always have like these amazing conversations about self growth and we kind of pick each other's brains when we're breaching different obstacles in our lives and kind of giving each other insight and so Mm -hmm. when you when I discovered you were on this path it was like a breath of fresh air for me because sometimes I would feel alone on the path because you want to have these deep conversations but some people looking at you like what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) so when you discovered you were on yours and I feel like it just kind of elevated our friendship to another level um but I had no idea when you were in it and so I kind of wanted to unpack that a bit today and just like go back in time a bit to where Mm -hmm you realized that there was a problem and what was that moment for you that you'd realize like, I have a problem. I need to do something about it. Mm. <sighs> well, you know, first of all, thank you for, for asking. And I, I'm more than happy to share and, and be as open and, you know, honest about it as I can be, because that's a part of, you know, my recovery. And that, and that helps me by keep, keeping me honest and, and keeping me open about, you know, my life because it, it's my, it's, it's just, it's just my truth mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day. And I've grown in these three years to be able to 
to be able to just be comfortable in that, knowing that it's it's my journey, it's exclusive to me, and I'm the one that has to figure it out, and I have the authority to do so. So that's been the most beautiful thing um, throughout the journey. Um, as far as when I became aware that um, there was a problem, <laughs> it probably had to be, um, I want to say I was maybe like 20, 23, 24, 25 years old. At, at that time, um, my addictions were smoking weed and drinking alcohol, basically, mm -hmm. and, and partying and having a good life. And, and that was fine for me at that time in, in my 20s, but there was just always something deep down inside of me that knew that what I was doing wasn't um, probably in my best interest long term as I looked over my life. Um, but I ignored it at the time. <laughs> 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 I said, no, fuck that. I'm going to live a great life. I'm going to party in my 20s, and then I'm going to revisit this in my 30s and clean it all up. Mm -hmm. and um, deal with it. And that's exactly how um, it has been. Um, so um, to kind of like make a long story short, um, during the times when I was like 2025, 20, I was more of a smoker than I was a drinker. Mm -hmm. And um, I entered into an industry <laughs> that um, allows me the ability to travel the world. And mm -hmm. so um, with that came a restriction on, um, consuming weed. So I turned to alcohol because that seemed to be what everybody, you know, that was around got into. So that my career <laughs> turned me into a drinker, like out of, out of this world. And it was more so, um, I would say probably on average with a regular person that drinks you go out you want to have a few cocktails you want to unwind mm -hmm. and everything but I noticed that as time went on I was able to drink by myself at least like a fifth of Hennessy alone and so from those experiences um you know the the behavior the the blacking out the getting into arguments with people um, a lot of irresponsibility, not taking care of finances, not taking care of, you know, my body, all, all kinds of things um, had been going on. And so I just got to, gotten to a point where I just sat outside of myself and for a while I began to observe my behavior um, mm -hmm. while I was intoxicated and I didn't like who I was. <clears throat> I want to, I want to pause there for a moment because you just said something that I, I, I really hope people caught that. You said that you sat outside of yourself and observed your behavior. Like, what what does that mean to you? <laughs> what does that mean like, to I, me? I know what you're saying, but I, I want people to catch this because I think this is the thing that people need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, to, to be honest with myself, that's what I did. I took time and I sat down and I looked at my life because remember I said that, you know, in my 20s, I was going to party and have all the fun that I wanted to. 
Um, now I'm beginning to put the age on it. In my 30s is the beginning of the process where I'm cleaning it up. So now I'm in now I'm in my 30s and I'm looking. I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, I would get drunk. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would hear stories from you know the others that were around. Um, I would black out and wake up in my bed, and I knew that when that happened, something else happened behind it, and I had to go to others to kind of like piece together um the events of what happened Mm. and so people would describe to me what I did what I said um Mm -hmm. so in that in those kinds of observations um outside feedback outside witnesses they're always relevant they tell you the truth Mm -hmm. um and even taking time to notice um how you know, that energy and what I was doing was affecting the people that were around me because there were people that would come to me and be concerned about my level of um, drinking at the time because it was for different, you drink for different reasons. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And most of it, most of it was like um, to help me cope and to get over things or to distract myself Mm. from what was, you know, the real issues. So Mm. I had no idea that there was a whole system out here in the world that like helps you to like deal with those issues in real time. Mm-hmm. So being, becoming, becoming aware. Um, and, and, and it, it would have never happened if I wasn't able to just sit back and be honest with myself and be like, Hey, look, Johnny, this could be, this is a problem. Not could be, this is a problem mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. for you. And, you know, some people that have different, elements of or experiences with a rock bottom I don't really consider myself to have reached my rock bottom Mm -hmm. um what happened with me as I observed what I was doing how I was being was I saw where the rock bottom was and when I looked over let's say when I looked over the balcony and looked down there I was like oh no it's definitely um not an option. So it sounds me. like you had some foresight to see, like, if I continue down this path, this is where it's going to lead me. I do. And to have the ability to think about that in the addiction for myself, because everybody's different for myself, was the most, um, how can I say, it? it was it was the most unbelievable thing because I I, I didn't allow myself to be in denial about it anymore mm. um, I, and it started it's a lot of strength because a lot of people like you said a lot of key phrases there about like being honest with yourself and you know getting that feedback from your peers like not a lot of people are willing to do that a lot of people want to no. like you said numb and sweep stuff under the rug and pretend mm. like um, they're not the problem but like what do you think helped you to get to this point where you're like I'm going to be honest with myself even if it hurts I wanted it I wanted it more than I wanted it more than anything in the world because during all of during all of that I gotten I had gotten into a point where I just felt dirty and um and and in feeling dirty it was the I I just felt disgusting (laughs) I just felt disgusting I felt like I felt like I just didn't care about myself. And when I look at the behavior, it's kind of like indicative of a person that doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about anything. I didn't care about, I didn't care about anything. So at the end of all of that, 
I really didn't, I really just didn't care enough about myself during that time. And I just wanted to break free because I just felt like it was, I was being held captive. Mm-hmm. And, and when I, when I accepted it, when I, when I realized that, okay, this has to be done. A series of events went um, on. I did the only thing that I knew how to do at the time because I got into a point where I, I had just about been like broken. I just wanted it off of me. And um, I just remember like being a child and, and, and praying and, 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 and just believing in a power that was higher than myself, believing mm-hmm. in God. And um, I said to myself, I'm like, I have to do this. I have to do this for myself because I want to be a better person. And I was always trying to find a way to be a better person and develop, you know, into the man that I knew that I, that I know that I'm supposed to be, because there was always a sense of this being on the inside who was one way. And then what was being projected on the outside, I knew that it was a lie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, so it sounds like it was like you had this, you know, some people call it this coming to Jesus moment where you're like, (laughs) how I'm showing up is not who I really am. Like you were wearing a mask. And I was always aware of that. Always aware of that. But when you're in the, like, it's an addiction. It means that you keep going back to it over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over and over again, because you have convinced yourself that this is normal. Mm. Um, what do you think led you to that point? Like, I know you talked about in your 20s and a lot of us, you know, we, we used to party real hard back in the day because <laughs> I was right there with you sometimes. <laughs> put, my, put myself out there a little bit. <laughs> and it's, and and it's like, thing. you know, and that's what I'm thinking. Like, you know, we justify it in our in our youth like during college and in our 20s like well we're young you know yeah so it's like what's the what is the line between i'm young i'm having fun or i have experienced something in my life that is contributing to me doing this see for me when when i when i think about you know that line between you know having fun it's going to be different for everybody because i i i don't believe that you know anybody who is in their addiction is you know dealing with it the same way or even thinking about it the same way because you don't think that you're addicted to it you don't see it that way because it's normalized Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the world um you know and they teach and they teach moderation and you know do it less and that that might work for some people but you know for people who are like (laughs) who deal with, you know, something like with compulsive behavior, it's a mm-hmm. bit different because mm-hmm. your compulsive behavior has been normalized for you. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like, it's always all or nothing. It's always all or nothing. There's no, just a little bit mm-hmm. either, mm-hmm. either you're going to, either, either you're going it, to, it became to me the I'm going to do it or I'm not going to do it. Those are my two choices. Mm-hmm. Um, but just just going back to you know what contributed it, it was just it just appeared to be normal because that's what 
everybody else was doing. Mm -hmm. So um, being being one being in everybody else's doing it, so I'm gonna do it too, so that I can fit in, so that I can feel like, you know, I belong. It's <laughs> it's still the same thing being um, being sober because there's always a sense everybody else is doing it, even though I'm not doing it now there's still this sense of, oh, I don't belong because everybody else is doing it and I'm not. So you, it's a whole mental game. Mm -hmm. But um, what contributed to it? Um, it's layers and layers and layers and layers of experiences and behaviors is all that I can say. Mm -hmm. For me, it, the turning point was I had to... I recognize, I remember the first drink that I ever took. And, and I remember how that made me. I had to be like 13. <laughs> Getting into um, some of my aunt's liquor that she just had laying around because there was no supervision or anything like that. But that was the first drink and I was like drunk. <laughs> Never experienced anything like that as a 13 year old. So, you know, you to be out of control and not and to feel like you're invincible and you can do whatever you want to do, that's a good feeling. Um, and so you go back and you continue to chase that. But after that, that was just one drink. But the line that I drew was when I really started drinking, probably like in high school as a senior, um, was remember, was I had to remember who I was and how I was before the first drink mm. I ever had. And that's what I was trying to get back to because that person was, um, that person was clean to mm -hmm. me. That person was pure. And so I'm, I'm like, okay, well, I've been that way before, but I've gotten all muddy and dirty throughout the, how do I get back to that? Because some way along the line I went to sleep and forgot all about that person and I became what I consider I became a monster <laughs> later on down in life so um when I started my journey to recovery it started with just that was going back to who I was before I ever put a drink inside of my body I love that you share that because that's a technique I teach um, when I'm working with coaching clients is like going back to your younger self and remembering like who you were and what did you like and what did you do? Because at some point we start to get influenced by our environments and our peers, our experiences start to shape and form us. And then it's like, we start to compromise pieces of ourselves for that acceptance and belonging. Mm. Do you feel like that's something you were discovering on your journey? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in, in, in every instance, but when you're in it, you don't see it like that. When mm -hmm. you're in it, you see it as this is fun to me because that's what you've convinced yourself. This is, this is fun to me. And it's not fun all the time. What's fun about, what's fun about blacking out? <clears throat> what's fun about not remembering what you did or how you got somewhere? Mm -hmm. What's fun about waking up and you're in a hospital and you don't know how you got there? Mm. That that's where the fun started to die for me. Yeah, like this, this is not fun. This is dangerous. 
<laughs> it really is. So did you go to an actual recovery program? And if you did, what, what was that like leading up to that? Oh my God. So I did <clears throat> because I, like when I said, I, I knew like probably at like 25 or something like that, that I needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ignored it at the time. Um, so it became part of my cleaning up process. So I thought that when I got 30, I thought that I was just going to snap my fingers and I was going to have it all. I was going to be changed. I was going to be responsible, stable, and you know, all of those good things that you want to be when you're, when you're 30. Um, I didn't know that you actually have to go back and you have to actually like clean stuff up. Mm-hmm. So, um, <clears throat> Leading up into leading up into the time where I decided that okay this is this is it I am going to go to a rehab. Just a series of events went on. Um, I had started. I was drinking heavily. I wasn't going to work. Um, wasn't showing up for appointments. Wasn't showing up for family stuff. I'd rather wake up in the morning drink 11 p.m still drinking and i moved to las vegas um i've been here for like what five six years now Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of other things going on here in las vegas that so you 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 like in one of the nation's party capitals (laughs) yeah yes everything is here that you can possibly every demon that you can possibly think of that Mm. you know will keep you addicted is here so I always like would wonder, I would always like ask God, like, why am I in Las Vegas? But that turned into I started gambling. So um that turned into something else. Cause I'm sitting at the ATM at eleven fifty nine fifty nine, waiting on my direct deposit to hit that account. And I'm going to the casino and I'm broke mm. by six o'clock in the morning. So it's like it's a, now it's getting like serious because I'm like, it's making now I'm noticing how I'm feeling. I'm feeling like shit now um so it it sounds like the addiction was like rolling over and snowballing into other things it was and that's how i said when i looked at the scope of things and i looked over and i saw the rock bottom and then i looked back at the behavior that i was doing i'm like i have to do something Mm -hmm. and um and that and that started with and that started with that prayer (laughs) this is why and people like really are like so confused with this because let me tell you i would never in a million years sit on this phone would have thought that i would sit on the phone with someone and tell them that jesus saved my life Mm. (laughs) i would have never never ever 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 thought that Mm. but i have my i have my experience with that and Mm. i am going to give that the credit um because i feel like had i not given myself up to a power that was higher than myself i wasn't going to stop drinking i thought that i could do it by myself i tried to do it by myself there were times where you'd be like okay i'm gonna quit i'm gonna stop you stop for like a month or whatever but you're back into it and i never knew that there was a a real root cause On that so I just prayed and and during this prayer I just said God I just want to be 
I'm tired of this. I I want to give all back to you. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. want it. I don't want this life anymore. And I just started imagining the life that I do want. So um mm. it you was just, re- I love that you say you started imagining the life that you do want. Yes. What do you think allowed you to even have the hope to do that? Because I've had so many conversations with individuals and you know, I used to work in the criminal justice um, system mm-hmm. for almost 12 years. So I, I worked with a lot of people who struggle with addiction. And I mean, they couldn't even see themselves in a different state. Yeah, They, they couldn't even visualize it. So mm-hmm. what do you think helped you to even have that moment of like, I can see past this moment into a moment that I truly desire? Yeah, I've always been, I've always had that ability. Um, <clears throat> I just I just trusted my intuition and and I just and I just knew it and I'm a firm believer if if I can see it and I believe it then it will happen like yes. I I I always I that's always in my mind mm-hmm. so um it was just the, it was just a no brainer to me to realize that okay well this is how it is right now and this is how it can also be i can see it i can see it in my head and i know that sounds crazy to people that may be listening who haven't discovered that they have everybody has that ability it just comes from a place of you have to you have to learn that all over it's like being childlike because it is i had a friend who um just recently was saying something like Cassandra how do you know you you like manifested where you're at in your life how did you do that and I'll tell her about visualization and then I reflect it back and I'm like similarly to you I'm like you know I think I've always done this I just think I never I never gave up that childlike part of me that would daydream and visualize and I think Mm -hmm. that's something a lot of adults do is they they like leave that in their childhood like that's a thing of children but really that's a form of creation that is creation imagination is creation to mm-hmm. me um and and i say that because you're exactly right that's how i that's why i had to go back to remembering who i was before i had that first before i put that first drink in my body because there comes a time i believe there became a time where that first drink changed the course of my life <clears throat> and I didn't know how it would change it but it did <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but this is the this is the thing with me um I don't regret any of it um I'm not ashamed of any of it and I don't beat myself over the head about any of the stuff that has happened to me that I've experienced. I'm very gentle and kind, you know, with myself when I think about the things that I've done or the things that have happened to me mm-hmm. in my past. And that has helped me um, immensely is to just understand that oh, I'm, I am a human being and I have an experience that's just my experience. That's it. Um, I had to stop I had to, like you said, I had to learn how to trust myself, how to tune out the world and the world's opinion about mm. who 
I am. That part. Go back inside and realize that I am a complete whole person of my own. I have my own stream of thoughts that are unique to me. Mm-hmm. I have my own way of being and doing th- things that are unique to me that only I can do. And everybody has that. And so I started thinking of myself as a as a greater person. Yeah. Um, because there was some, you know, there are self-esteem issues as well. You don't think that you're good enough. You don't think that you're worth it or it's possible for you. And I never thought, like, I would hear people in church giving their testimonies about, you know, their lives and stuff like that. And I used to think that it was all some bullshit. <laughs> Until I had my... <laughs> and that's so so unfair now because now I'm sitting here now I'm the one who who has a testimony and I can and I can completely honestly say that you can change we can all change we all have that ability yes (laughs) and it does not matter what is going on we have power to change ourselves and we can do that um so it became you know just believing so when i go back into my journey i knew that i knew that me doing it the traditional way um like going to for example aa or something or going to um a therapist <clears throat> those are options of mine but i knew that it wasn't going to be enough and it had already been revealed to me like i, I saw the whole I saw everything that was about to happen to me. So I knew that I was about to be taken out of my environment. I was going to be placed in, you know, solitude around people that I didn't know. I didn't know the magnitude. I didn't know what was going to happen, how, but I knew that I was going to be plucked out of the environment and I was going to go. It's a real deal. It's a real deal rehab. Um, Luckily, um, luckily I was able to do it because I realized that everyone doesn't have um the means to do it for you know they don't have health insurance or they don't have you know the money to do it but Mm -hmm. i knew i knew that it was something that i had to do Mm -hmm. i knew that i did not have a choice (laughs) it was the only way and i just trusted it i just said whatever lord let's do it i I am i am ready (laughs) yeah yeah i am ready and i'm willing and this is the thing i didn't have to i wasn't mandated to do it i wasn't forced to do it i wasn't doing it for somebody else it's that it's i'm so glad you said that because oftentimes people who have gotten into some sort of recovery that it's because they were given these ultimatums by someone in their life, their family, uh, maybe it's the courts, you know, maybe it's a job or whatever the case. And so it's like, you didn't even allow it to get that far. You took initiative Mm -hmm. and was like, no, it's time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that in itself shows the power in when it comes from within and it comes from you how you Mm -hmm. have experienced such tremendous growth and transformation because this is something that came from within you, not somebody forcing you or manipulating you or giving you ultimatums. Like if you don't do this, then this is going to happen. If you were given that, it would have changed the outcome. No, because it would have pissed me off. (laughs) (laughs) 
I wouldn't have wanted to you show up. I would have been showing up like, no, I'm here because these motherfuckers, this is what they wanted me to do. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it. Was no va- it's no value when it doesn't come from you. Yes. It's no value or no weight in it at all. So when I was, so when I did show up, you know, to my sessions, when I was amongst, you know, all of those people that I didn't know who had similar issues, I was ready. I, I was there soaking up. I was like a sponge. I was trying to get as much information as I could, do all the work that I could because I really, really, really wanted it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like I want, just like I really, really want to be rich or I really, really want to have a specific car. That was, it was the same power behind that desire. I really, really wanted to be sober and I was not going to stop until I did it. (laughs) I wasn't going to stop. And I took it 100% serious. I gave it my all. I didn't want any parts of alcoholism. I didn't want, because the end result, the end result for me, when I looked at the rock bottom, it was death. Yeah. <clears throat> and <laughs> that was not, that's just, I am too beautiful and too great of a, a person to let myself go down like that. Mm-hmm. But it's a levels to addiction and everybody's is different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't speak for everybody else's. Um, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've heard stories about it in um, you know, rehab. So that's what that also helped me was to understand that, oh wow, it could have been a whole lot different for me. Like it's people out there who are just gone completely. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm here to say that it's a way out. <laughs> if you want it, if you, if a person wants out, it's definitely a way out. And, See, I, and I think that's I the key to... right there is you have to want it. You do. You, it. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know, whether if it's addiction or, you know, it's recovery from emotional trauma, whatever the thing is. You know, the, the number one thing that I think I've realized is that, that it has to come from within that person and they have to want it because when it's forced from something outside of themselves and they're not internally bought into it, it's not going to last. Mm-hmm. It's not. And it's going to be a vicious cycle. And some people have to, and some people experience that. <laughs> I said, I'm not in the business of changing people. I'm in the business of helping people who want to be changed. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Because you cannot change somebody that does not want to be changed. I was having this conversation in my head yesterday and I, I said to the Lord, I said, I know I don't have that power. If I could just like shrink myself and place myself in another human's body and help them to see it and help them to get it. I would, but I don't have that power and I can't, nobody does. Mm -hmm. So guess who does have that power? It's real simple. You do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. We have it within ourselves and we have to tap into that and and just believe that you do. And that's the hardest, that's the hardest part of it is just beliefs because, you know, throughout life, 
we are conditioned to believe and think in certain ways and certain manners and we mm-hmm. put ourselves in these boxes and we restrict ourselves and and it's not the truth <laughs> i'm so glad i'm so glad you said that because i don't think and i'm still learning this myself on my own journey i don't think we as humans understand how powerful we truly are because of what you just said we've been programmed to think small to live in fear to have self-doubt and insecurities and lead our lives from that space as opposed to leading our lives from our higher selves of growth and expansion and tapping into our creativity and visualization like all these things that you and i have learned on our respective journeys we had to learn through our recovery we don't you don't go to school and learn this stuff but it, it needs to be taught in school <laughs> they're teaching the wrong thing they're teaching people how to um how to live a life based on what they want us to know yes versus based on what you actually know of yourself Mm -hmm. so you take on all of that Mm -hmm. take on all of those things so as i'm in this facility i thought that i was just going there to stop drinking (laughs) i didn't know that i would have an opportunity to evaluate my entire life to look at everything from when i was a childhood because there was some intense psychotherapy going on um just a bunch of activities on how to how to have fun still without you know being an alcoholic or whatever mm-hmm. addiction it was that you have that you can actually live a wholesome pretty good fun life without you know drugging up your body and drinking yourself to death mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that i was you know caught off guard by was <clears throat> Oh my God, life is going to be so boring now. (laughs) It's going to be a square. But life has been so much more rewarding for me because this is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be sober. I didn't want to drink anymore. And it's gone. (laughs) I'm so so glad you said that about how rewarding it's been because I used to hear that from clients I had in the past that I worked with who had addictions and that was one of their fears was well life is going to be boring now or I'm going to lose all my friends or you know and and in recovery they teach you got to change people places things so what did that look like for you now that you're on the other side of it with regards to like the people places and things like how does life look now compared to how it did before recovery uh <laughs> I wish I could like put an emoji right here of that like that that yawning face with its mouth open like oh oh my god. Um <laughs> it's um <laughs> to be honest with you, um I have a lot of days where um I have a lot of days where I just get bored because life becomes all about um being aware mm-hmm. and when I say being aware what I mean what I mean is it's just being aware of every doggone thought that goes across your mind mm-hmm. um because that's where that's where for me that's where I've learned that's how you get 
sucked into stuff is by attaching yourself to these thoughts mm -hmm. you have one thought and you're like oh that sounds great that sounds awesome and then it turns into another thought and then you follow that thought and you keep mm -hmm. you continue on down the path until you manifest what you know the original thought was for example i want to drink <laughs> right oh that sounds that sounds good like what would i drink or well, what do you like oh i like coconut syrup mm, that sounds good with some pineapple juice i remember when i had some coconut Ciroc and pineapple juice and I was laying on the beach in Maui and I was just chilling the breeze was hitting my face my feet in the sand oh that sounds good that feels really good now now you're dealing with your feelings oh that feels really good oh I think I'll go and have that drink er, stop hold on what I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad you just did that because you you literally just broke the process down and for those who are listening <laughs> I hope you caught that because you just explained the whole process of how humans operate it starts with our thinking Yes. And, the, and, I, and I always tell people this, like, our thinking leads to our feelings, and our feelings leads to the behavior. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, if you want to change your behavior, let, go back to the root. What thought did you have about that? Yes. <laughs> so that's what life has become. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, you know, and you so, and I just talked about this recently, where we were talking about what the work looks like. and. Yes. And, I, and that was the next point I wanted to get to was like you managing your recovery because mm -hmm. people will look at people like you and myself who have been doing this work and, you know, you start getting years under your belt and people start to almost put you on this pedestal and think that you've made it when in fact you have to explain to people like hey, this is a, a daily thing like every day i, I hate it work on myself and and i think it's so unfair it's unfair because i feel like it takes the human and away from us because we still have struggles we still have stuff that we have to work through and i don't understand why people think that i don't get the whole quick fix mentality where it's like you do something, it's fixed, and then that's it. And it's like, no, this because is a lifelong journey. <laughs> they're also not there throughout the hourly moments, that throughout the 24 hours that we have each day. No one is there to observe you. You're the only one that knows that. So when you walk into the room around others, I just had to explain this to somebody yesterday. When I come around, you're exactly right. When I, when I come around, I'm like, you're seeing a person, what I'm presenting to you now, obviously isn't the same person that I was about three years ago. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and they cannot fathom or understand that I'm not perfect. Yes. I, wasn't, I, I wasn't perfect. I didn't consider myself to be perfect. This is a job. <laughs> this is a career. <laughs> yeah. this is this is just dealing with life you have to because you you no longer alcohol and drugs are just not available for me to use to cope with my life yeah. so what i have to do is i i have to do this every day i have to sit in my head <laughs> i try not to do it every day but yeah, I that could get exhausting yeah it can <laughs> But I just have to I just have to be aware of my thoughts, aware of how I feel, and aware of how my presence impacts everything and everybody 
around me. So that becomes, that has become my daily life. Even when I'm at work, even when I'm amongst other people, I still go to family functions. I still go to parties. I'm still amongst people who are doing what, you know, they do. They're drinking and stuff like that. And I can exist in those environments without having the desire to participate. So <clears throat> one of one of the greatest gifts was to just regain control over my mind. Mm-hmm. I have to come into a space where I understand that I am the captain <laughs> of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I am the director of everything that goes on. Um because before before there's a thought that can come up into my mind, I'm the one that exists. Mm-hmm. When it's quiet, when it's dark, when it's silent, I'm the one that is that can observe the thought that's coming into my mind. Mm-hmm. So my thought isn't me, and it also doesn't control me. Right. I control the thought at the end of the day. I get to manage and say, yes, I want to follow you. What else do you have? I like that mm-hmm. thought. Where, where's that going to lead me to? Or I could say, no, that's not for me. I still get thoughts every day about alcohol. That's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. But you've just learned how to, you've learned how to manage the thoughts. Yeah. That's what my life has become. I'm a thought manager. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do. Um, and I'm And I'm just so glad that you are candidly sharing your journey because, you know, so many times people, I I see it on social media, I encounter it with people who I have conversations with, and I just really wish people could grasp the concept that this, this recovery walk, this personal development, it's a lifelong journey, like, you and I are always having these conversations and talking about it. Like we're picking each other's brains or talking about this or that. And it's like, there's no such thing as I've made it to the mountaintop. And unless the good Lord decides your time is coming, he's going to But you know, it's, it's, it's like, yes, you, yes, you've overcome this part of your life, but then yes. there's maintenance work that has to be done to maintain mm-hmm. it. Every single day. I'm glad you said that because it is just exactly that. It's, it's maintenance work. You, you, when you go through, when you go through the program, <clears throat> we already come equipped with these tools. No one teaches us how to use them and what they're for. They just probably sit there idly collecting dust and all of that. But when you're taught how to use these tools when you're taught how to be an observer when you're taught how to sit and deal with your feelings and feel it in your body when you're taught how to you know how to process it when you're taught how to be authentic and when you're taught how to be honest to me those are tools yeah and they always need and they always need to be cared for because your sharpest tools your most the ones that are ready will at your disposal will be the ones that will get you through whatever it is that you are going through at the moment. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember that <clears throat> thoughts are temporary. They're not even, <laughs> they don't, they, they last longer if you allow them to, yeah. but <clears throat> they're in, in, in my recovery. Um, something that I became proud of the most was that the bodies that we live in, they are, I learned that they are magnificent, sophisticated beings. Mm-hmm. And they take care, they take 
very good care of themselves if you are taking care of it properly. Absolutely. So, um, and that goes for a range of things. So what, what happened to me was, is that I came to the recognition that my body has been truly faithful to me. It hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't broken down. It's processed all of this junk that I put into it. I'm still healthy. I'm, and I honor that. I love that. Yes. You know about myself, so I began a working conscious relationship with my body and how I care for it because that to me helped me to get into this space where, out of all of this that's going on in this journey of recovery, at the end of the day, <clears throat> what I was experiencing was a lot of self-hate mm. and I took it out and I took it out on my body. Mm. Um, alcohol became the way that I look at alcohol now is like, it's poison to me. Yeah. Um, and, and this is, this is just to me. <laughs> this is how I had to develop a different relationship with alcohol so that I don't consume it and put it into my body. So I had to turn alcohol into the most evil, corrupt idea in my mind and I don't want that in my body. Yeah. Um, on no level. Um, and so I began to recognize and have this working relationship with my body and I made a pact with it that I was gonna, you know, do my best to protect it and, you know, keep it healthy and consume healthy things because what you put in is what you're gonna get out. You said something so interesting when you mentioned um the self-abuse of your body from self-hatred and I'm just I'm just curious like how many people are they even aware you know that's what they're doing because I know I was in a place like that with with food where mm -hmm. that's how I coped with my emotional trauma is I would eat my emotions or I would stuff myself to try not to feel pain and then Mm -hmm. put on weight and it turned into this cycle where then I get depressed because when you put certain foods in your body it changes the chem the chemistry in your brain mm -hmm. and I'm depressed and I'm coping with my depression with food again you know and it turned into this endless cycle and it wasn't until I realized like you said it was like a form of self-hatred but mm -hmm. we learn self-love and we learn these coping skills and mechanisms we start to want to do things that actually move us forward and are good and healthy for us as opposed to destructive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, an, and that's all, and that has been all in this experience of, you know, recovery. It's recovery. It's recovering yeah. who it's recovering the self that I know myself to have always been. I'm trying to get back to that. And then I'm trying to thrive. Yes. I, going forward as you know that as that person it's this is what this is just my my feeling and what it means to be to be woke and i'm not even going to go into the whole <laughs> <laughs> being woke because i understand that there's various ideas about being woke but i won't even go there but this is my expression of what woke feels like yeah. Being woke is just being, just being, just pe being purely aware of the power that's inside yes. of me, knowing that I'm the decision maker and the driver of all of that. And to also take responsibility for 
the bad stuff too because nobody else does that i do that i do the bad shit too <laughs> I've, I've done it all so there's no one there's no one to blame and so that's where you know accountability yes you know comes into play too because you gotta be honest with who you are mm-hmm. and, and some people are just afraid to be honest and say and admit that i'm a fucked up person i have a question now that you're on this path and um you know you you've made this you made this life commitment to always building yourself and discovering mm-hmm. yourself is it challenging to have interactions or have relationships with people who are not on a similar path as you <sighs> i'm glad that you asked me that <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, it is and the reason why it's been difficult for me is because it's because of other people's perception you always have to keep that in, in to mind mm-hmm. um people people admire you people are drawn to you mm-hmm. people want what you have and mm-hmm. they don't know how to and they don't know how to get it they don't i think they don't want to do the work <laughs> that look, I, look, I just language. inserted my own it's little. I'm like, I'm like, they don't want to do the work. <laughs> it's a lot of work, and, and, it's, and it's easily met with the resistance because yes. you you get resisted by your family, your mm-hmm. friends, your mm-hmm. spouse, your children. People are going to hate you because you are becoming the opposite of what they know you to be, and that's not comfortable to those people. Although it may be 100% comfortable to you. Mm-hmm. It's not comfortable to the other people around you because everybody's, for example, doing the same dance. And then here you break out, you the breakout star. You start doing some stuff on your own and everybody's sitting back looking at you like, yo, like, like who do come they back here like you No, drum to your own beat. <clears throat> yes. Be go the direction, do what's right for you. That's been that's been the the phrase throughout my journey was forgetting about what other people think and how they are because i knew that before i made the decision when everything was revealed to me i knew that i wasn't just doing it for myself i knew that i was doing it for me but i knew that it was going to impact everybody else around me so to be around people who seem to you know just don't get it or don't understand or they don't want to do the work or they don't know how to do the work I don't think as much my, I don't think that's my, my concern. My concern is to just be me and be my presence and whatever someone needs to draw from that, from the conversation that I give to them, um, whatever stands out to them is going to become a tool for them to use, whether they want to do the work or not. Um, when they when you plant the seed in yourself and you want to do the work then you will mm-hmm. because you're going to go out and you're going to start observing you're going to look around it becomes it's it's a job <laughs> it's a job <clears throat> they don't teach you this in school so you have to become your own teacher and you have to trust yourself trust your intuition mm-hmm. and you got to learn that i had to unlearn and throw away everything that was taught to me even stuff that that i went to school and learn. I had to be willing to sacrifice all of that mm-hmm. to develop to develop my own system, my own program, something that works for me, mm-hmm. and not something that works for everybody else. Because everything that I say isn't going to apply to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, people are going to pick and choose 
you know, what applies to them. And that's even fine. That's not my responsibility on what they do without that. My responsibility is to, is to keep doing what I'm doing in this journey of um, self-awareness. I love that. I love that. I think that's such a perfect way to, to I end the conversation. And I'm, I am quite sure I will have you back because I'm waiting for you to write your book. <laughs> See, this is the work that the work that even I don't want to do. <laughs> this is me holding my friend accountable. Right. <laughs> I'm no, like, here I, y'all go with this book stuff again. Here we go. I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story because you have overcome so much. And I just I love having these conversations with you because you can tell when someone's doing the work. It 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 reflects in their conversations. And so I, I just always enjoy our conversations. They're always so insightful. And I really hope whoever is listening to this, that they got some nuggets out of this and were able to pull some things out of it that they can apply to their own lives. I know. I kind of forgot that people were going to be listening to this. I'm like using all this profanity. And stuff. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> We're, we're real people. We don't judge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, it, it is what it is. And I, and I hope that I'm just glad to, glad that you asked me to be a part of this because I feel like this is going to open up, you know, some some more avenues for me in life. And this is just the beginning. <laughs> Absolutely. It definitely is. Well, thanks again. And is there any last, um, any last statement that you want to leave with anyone who may be um you know stuck in the middle of their own tunnel and maybe struggling to see the light at the end of it yes there is actually i um i kind of like i kind of like want people to remember and to know that even though that you might be looking at a light at the end of the tunnel but to remember that you are the light Mm. that you're seeing at the end of the tunnel that's you that you see and I feel like that's where we're always trying to get back to um but something that really helped me and I'm I'm like kind of looking at it right now um I didn't know it would lead me to where I'm at and I always wondered um what this meant but it's just it's just a poem that I bought that hangs on my wall and it's just called it's simple it's simple it's called one day at a time for anybody that you know is that's stuck that can't get out it's just one day at a time and it just says help me believe in what i could be and all that i am show me the stairway i have to climb lord for my sake teach me to take it one day at a time i love that that is so beautiful i love that (laughs) (laughs) i do because i i've found myself sometimes in in some challenging moments where I'm literally talking to myself and telling myself like cast one breath at a time one moment at a time one step at a time I mean I I vividly remember one time I was having a challenging day at work and I left um on my lunch break and I was literally talking to myself and saying just take one step at a time because that's all I could fathom in that moment mm-hmm. and it and it works it helps mm-hmm. you to stay present and it helps you to just not worry about the next thing or the next moment and to just stay present. Mm-hmm. I love that's that. A, that's a key. <laughs> well, thanks again. I really appreciate you um, sharing your story here with us. And 
I am looking forward to being able to have you on again one day in the future when you are a published author. Look, I'm speaking, <laughs> I'm speaking, I'm speaking those things that be not as though they were. <laughs> I receive it. <laughs> so that you can share the next chapter of your journey with all of us. <laughs> I know, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. I just see like nothing but, nothing but great things. I, I'm telling you, anybody that wants to be free from um, pain and <laughs> torment and anguish and anger and all of those emotions you can be free from them. absolutely absolutely well thanks again and we will talk to all you next time all right bye everybody thanks for listening thank you for listening to this episode please make sure to subscribe like share and leave your review for the podcast To learn more, go to www.cassandraaustin.com.